Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder, and this is episode 150 of The Real Build. Can you believe it? 150 episodes, and I have another great episode for you that you are going to want to listen to. In today's episode, I featured Zach Bierick. He is the owner of Duggan's Welding, and I was excited to have Zach on because I have not featured anybody in the structural steel world and obviously structural steel is the bones of a building it is very important process you don't see it under underneath everything but we get into his process and what he does and how he leads his team at such a young age he's about to hit 30 years old and he has taken over duggan's welding as a company that's been in business for 30 years we talk about leadership we talk about his process we talk about the importance of steel and beams and how they go into buildings and how they really make the bones of a building so uh, you're going to want to listen to this episode. I love doing this show for you all. And I know a lot of you comment and, and DM me and say how much you enjoy it, how much you learn from it as well. So we're going to keep it going for free. No advertising. All I ask for, though, is you comment, share, like, obviously, five-star review on iTunes. A few of you have done that recently. So I really, really do appreciate it. It goes a long way and boosting this show. I'm going to give you as much value as I can each and every week, bring you great interviews each and every week and some solo episodes sprinkled in here and there. With that being said, though, let's dive into episode 150. Welcome to The Real Build, the show that shows you exactly what you need to look for in construction and real estate. I am your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder, and each week I will teach you exactly what you need to look for, whether you are buying, building, or selling a house. I interview top people throughout real estate and construction to give you a better perspective prior to making one of the biggest investments of your life. I will also discuss my personal experiences as a luxury builder and real estate broker and answer your questions about the process. With that being said, welcome to The Real Build. Zach Bierick, welcome to The Real Build. How are you doing today, brother? Doing well, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah it's you. Yeah, it's great having you on, man. I, I appreciate you coming on. We're going to talk some structural steel today. Uh, that's uh, part of the construction industry I have not touched on. I love having new uh, new construction guys, new contractors on here and, and different things I haven't talked about on my show. I've had a lot of episodes, but believe it or not, we haven't talked steel. So let's talk some steel today. But before we do, let's hear about who Zach Birick is. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm about to hit the 3 0 this year. So, still in the 20s for another month or two. Um, live in North Carolina, been here my whole life. Uh, grew up in um, subpar uh, situations, I guess you'd say. Um, so, what I mean by that is if, if you had, uh, if you paid taxes, you helped me a lot growing up from. Medicaid and free lunch at school and, you know, food stamps, that whole deal. So grew up pretty poor. Uh, at best, we were low middle class. And so in growing up that way, I learned at a very young age uh, more of what not to do than what to do. And I knew I didn't want to continue that trend. 
Um, so I learned how to work early on in life. I started weed eating at a golf course when I was 12 years old. I got paid 20 bucks a day and I got to golf for free. So as a 12 year old kid, I was killing it. Um, and I kind of got, got my feet wet in the entrepreneurial game, um, around the same age. I would walk around the neighborhood with just a, a legal pad with my, my name and my home landline phone number saying, Hey, if you want me to come leaf blow your gutters, I'll do it for 20 bucks. Uh, so kind of got my feet wet again, an entrepreneurial game there. Um, got my license, continued to work, uh, through high school, got into retail. And, uh, I remember in high school, I went to one Friday night football game cause I was working every Friday and Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> um, now, I say all that and I don't, I don't want any pity or anything like that. Cause it's not like I went without, I mean, I grew up playing sports, baseball, primarily. Um, my grandma, my great grandma had a huge impact in raising me. And so without those, those two ladies, I have no idea where I'd be probably not sitting here on this podcast right now, but, um, again, growing up in, you know, less than perfect conditions just kind of molded me and, and hardened me and taught me the value of a dollar and, and to, to work hard for everything that I ever wanted or needed. Um, so I'm appreciative of it, but, uh, fast forward through high school, graduated, went straight to college. I went to UNC Charlotte in the school of engineering. Um, by the grace of God graduated in four years and the summer after my junior year, I started working here at Duggan's welding, um, which I now own, just bought it October 29th, 2021. Um, but started literally ground zero, learning how to to make up bolts and then how to mark center lines and how to rig the beams and the columns and the joists and everything that we fly into the air and, and set. Um, and then over time from 2013 until, uh, I guess, just October, just gradually took on more and more responsibility as far as project management and operations and getting involved in the financials and everything like that. Um, I've done a, I've done a lot of different things. So I've also got a beard company, uh, West Y beard company just launched it May of 21. So it's, it's still a, it's still a baby played music and did, uh, 80 to a hundred shows a year for about five or six years while I was still working at Duggan. So I'd come in early and work Monday through Thursday, get my, get my 40 or 50 in, leave out Thursday night, play music Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come home Sunday, and then do it all again. But uh, I'm kind of jumping around on the timeline uh, spectrum. But in a nutshell, that's me. I love it, man. It's I, I love it because I, I relate to you quite a bit. And just I grew up uh, and come from, you know, middle class family growing up when I was a little kid. And my I watched my, my blue collar, watched my dad. He was a concrete guy work his way up from having, you know, nothing to start in his own business then getting into custom homes too. But I always had to work since I was a little kid. Uh, you know, in, uh, even after I I've told this story, even after football practice and, and, and high school and stuff like that, when everybody else on Saturdays after practice would go have fun or go do something, I'd have to go and go meet up with my dad at a job site and get, go to work too. And, uh, college everywhere, every time. So it's, it's, it puts a it instills a lot in you. It still instills a lot of respect, and especially you kind of starting out. Obviously, you were started out as a kid, twelve years old, weed whacking golf courses, 
and then kind of working your way from there and then doing going into uh duggins and and working your way up and learning the trades and all that now you own the company too uh and actually swinging a hammer i like to say uh and doing putting in a grind to get to where you are it makes you have a lot more respect for the trade but also makes you have a lot more knowledge and people respect you a lot more too because you have that knowledge so I, I i commend you on that and and where you are today at, at a young age i mean you're 29 years old congrats on almost being 30 and now yeah uh it's 30 up from 30 there's not much to look forward to you know i'm 35 so <laughs> but uh it's it's uh I, 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 that's awesome, man, for how far you've come in such a short period of time too. And, and you're so young and you got a long way to go. So it's just, um, I commend you on that. Let's, let's talk about, you know, how you, let's talk about why you got into, why'd you, why'd you, uh, start working for Duggins? What made you get into steel and, and go that outlet rather than somewhere else, you know, other than construction or a different construction avenue? Yeah. So again, I grew up on my mom's side of the family. Um, my mom and dad were never together at any point in my life. Um, still had a relationship with my dad. It was just like a, a weekend type deal. So lived on, on the mom's side of the family. Uh, they were both 18 when they had me. So they were, they were kids having a kid. Um, but I was exposed to construction at an early age on my, my dad's side of the family. Cause they were, um, residential framing contractors okay. so they were building houses uh mostly custom homes in the in the 90s and early 2000s and then they kind of transitioned to apartments and condos and things like that so i was exposed to it and i was around it not a whole lot but um you know i, I was interested in it and kind of learned how to start building stuff you know just putting two by fours making a block and call or bank, making a square and calling it a window um <laughs> going out to the job sites, just messing around with my dad. Um, but as far as getting into steel, I was looking for quote unquote internships while I was in college. And one of my baseball coaches, as I was growing up, works for a, a fabrication company who we do a lot of our work with Davidson steel. They're also here in North Carolina, but I reached out to him. I said, Hey man, I know you're, I know you're in the industry. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do while I was in school, if it was going to be a uh, general contractor going into the residential world, um, a subcontractor in, in you know, concrete masonry, steel, whatever it may be. Uh, but anyways, I talked to that baseball coach of mine, his name's Charlie. And he said, well, I've got a, a good client that I do a lot of work with and he's looking to get some younger guys in. So we came, came to the office here on Saturday and met with Derek Duggins, the original owner founder and owner of duggan's welding and he put me to work right after i got out of out of school my junior year so worked those three months during the summer um out in the field and then i also worked uh fall break christmas break spring break and then came on full-time after i graduated in 14. um so it it was it was luck it was by chance and i believe i'm blessed and highly favored by my lord and savior jesus christ and i think he put me where i'm at 
Amen, man. I love that. And uh, I, I relate to you a lot on that, man. God, God is good. God does good work for you. And obviously, if you put in the work like you have since you were 12 years old, probably even earlier than 12, we're, we're not hearing that full story. Because <laughs> I remember I was selling golf balls on a golf course at like five. So, you know, it's just it's crazy when you have that entrepreneur mindset growing, you just know, you know, it's just as a kid too, you kind of grow up just you know, money, trying to make money, trying to do things and start little businesses, whether it's a lemonade stand or, or something like that, you know, and when I have kids one day too, I'm going to be all about it. You know, you guys want to go make some money. All right. Do a lemonade stand or do go, go down to the golf course and pick up golf balls and try and resell them to the golfers. So it's just, it's, yeah, I love your story. So one thing that you guys said about your process is one of the greatest strengths of Duggan's welding is our versatility in projects, large and small. So let's talk about like the services you guys are providing. Uh, what do you do? Uh, just so the listener knows. Yeah, primarily it's structural steel erection, conventional structural steel. So we don't do any pre-engineered buildings. We don't do stairs and rails, uh, ladders, that, that type of stuff. But the big, heavy columns, beams, joists, metal decking, uh, the edge angle, bent plate, roof frames, all that kind of stuff. Um, but within that, like the the types of projects that we do in, in the steel world, they, I guess they qualify the job by the tonnage. So we may do a, a little two-ton job that may be a two or three-day canopy on an existing building or, you know, whatever. Um we may do a, a small pool house. Um, there's some neighborhoods with some wealthy people that are putting steel in their homes or, or pool houses or whatever. Um, we'll do stuff like that. And we, we hold a, a membership with the, the Home Builders Association here because we're, we're doing some work in houses and stuff. Uh, and those are small projects that may last a couple of days or a week, maybe two weeks. And then we go to the small retail places like a Sherwin-Williams or a Cons um, Home Furniture, something like that, that we may be on site for a month, month and a half. And then we go all the way to you know, a thousand ton project that we're on site for four months at a time. Um, and then everything in between. So when I say we're versatile, I mean, we can handle anything from a small little canopy all the way to a five story um completely structural steel freestanding common space at a university so go more into structural steel and its importance too because obviously i mean doing structural and a lot of people maybe some of the listeners don't understand exactly what you're doing on the structural end um you know and the importance of it and the process of it too uh in and you know obviously you're doing a lot of commercial um you know stuff and with steel beams and on the welding end of things too. Let's just, let's talk about it a little bit more, kind of describe a little bit more like your process. Let's go into that too. And how you guys from start to finish do a job. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're an AISC certified steel erector. AISC is the governing body for steel construction. It's American Institute of Steel Construction. And having that certification, it holds us to a higher standard. Um, and there is an actual standard that we have to follow and, and live up to when it comes to how we operate our company. And in doing that, it improves our quality and it, it, it pretty much makes us establish systems and processes for every single thing we do from 
receiving bid invitations to performing quantity takeoffs to estimates to actually getting out into the field. Um, and once we get out into the field, we're providing labor only. So as a structural steel erector, most of our contracts are with a fabricator. So the fabricator receives the steel from the mill. They'll punch the holes, weld on the clips for the, the bolted connections. Um, they fabricate the steel to the so specified links and everything that needs to be columns, beams, um, perimeter, bent plate or angle, whatever we're putting on to carry the decking that we lay. So anyways, they send out trucks of steel. We unload it. And from that point, we take it from their shop off their truck and we put it into the air. Um, so we'll, we'll start by unloading the trucks. We'll what we call shake out the steel, which means if we got five different sequences, the trucks are going to come sequenced. And then we're going to sort the steel. Uh, um, you know, the last thing that you set, you want to keep it furthest away from you. The first thing you're going to set, you want to keep it closest to you, whether we're hanging iron with a forklift or a crane. Uh, we own a bunch of our own equipment. We've got two hydro cranes, one small little carry deck crane, probably seven or eight forklifts, boom lifts, which is the, the big four wheel. You know, it's got the basket on it that'll telescope out. Um, scissor lifts, welding machines, trailers, and all that kind of stuff. But um, just to, you know, in layman's terms, what we do is receive the steel. We'll stand the columns that sit on anchor bolts. So we're one of the first ones in, one of the first ones out. The concrete guys come in, dig the footers, pour the footers, set the anchor bolts. Then we come in, set the columns on top of the anchor bolts. We'll tie the columns in with beams most of the time. Sometimes it's bar joists or girders, uh, especially on a warehouse. But as we start setting the steel, once we get a level up and we lay the metal decking, and a lot of times if it's a multi-story, we've got what are called Nelson studs that will shoot through the decking to the beam or the joist or whatever. Most of the time it's beams. Um, shoot it through the decking to the beam so that whenever the concrete sub comes back and pours that floor, it adheres to it. And they've got reborn everything else on top of our Nelson studs. Um, most of what we do, I'd say our, our bread and butter and Average project is going to be a three to five story freestanding structural steel building. Uh, and those are those are beautiful because we're not really dependent on any other trades except for the concrete guys setting those anchor bolts right. Um, but there, there's other jobs that are masonry bearing. So we may come in after the masonry walls are up. We might have some interior columns. And then we've got bar joists spanning from the column lines over to the masonry wall which we're praying the embeds that the mason sets are correct. Uh, we're praying that the elevations are right. Um, and I like to call those kind of hybrid projects. You've got masonry bearing, you've got some concrete in there, you've got steel. Um, if you go to a hotel, you know, a 12, 13 story high rise, then you're depending on all of those trades plus light gauge framers. Cause most of the time you'll have maybe one or two floors of concrete. And then the third floor may be steel. And then from there up, you're going to have a lot of light gauge and then structural steel kind of sporadic through the corridors or the hallways. Um, but in summary, we use those cranes and all the equipment that I mentioned to hoist the steel in the air, set it on the anchor bolts, tie it all in with the, the beams, again, using the crane to set them. Um, and our iron workers, we've got a lot of journeyman iron workers that are riggers, connectors, welders. They've done it all. And, and still do it all. We're a relatively small company. We're running uh, 50 some people right now. Um, compared to a lot of our competitors, we're, we're still small. So a lot of people wear a lot of different hats here. 
Um, but yeah, hang the steel, lay the decking, walk away. I love it, man. It's, it's so interesting, like, you know, in the engineering and everything that goes into building these fortresses. I mean, they're basically, you know, and, and I, I just had an engineer on, I haven't launched the episode yet. Uh, we were talking about Dylan, he's an electrical, he's more electrical engineer, but we were talking about the importance of engineering too, and engineering projects and, and the steps into it and how engineers don't really get much credit uh, you know, for what they do and what they design. And it's, it's like, even down here, down here, the amount of structural work and concrete work we're doing in these houses. That's why a lot of people up North don't understand why it takes us longer to build because there's so much structural from pilings to footings to slab, you know, to stem wall, to slab up block walls, all the way to the to concrete tie beam. It's just, and then you go to the roof trusses and up. So it's just, there's so much in, in a building and, and it's amazing on what you're doing because you are that core of that building along with the concrete, but without you, you know, without your structural steel there, uh, that thing's going to fall. So, you know, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And to that point, like the, all the work that gets put in on the front end by the architects, the engineers, the whole design team. And even once you get onto the site, once the concrete gets poured, the footers are done, we hang our steel like, none of that you seldom ever even see unless it's exposed on purpose most of the time it gets covered up so you see all these beautiful structures with the nice storefront um glass everywhere all the architectural stuff they cover all of our stuff up that's holding the building together (laughs) (laughs) and that's the thing you guys don't get enough credit too because you are literally holding that building together and and it's amazing if you actually people watch the process of a build or one of your builds and and connecting all that steel and, and making sure everything is right level and, and the structure is perfect. I mean, it's an amazing process to look at and watch. I mean, for someone like me in construction, I love seeing it, but maybe the common person walking by wouldn't care but until the building was done, but still it's, uh, it's awesome what you're doing, man. Uh, especially, like I said, at a young age and getting involved in that business and having the knowledge that you do. One thing you did say, though, is you said, you know, you're a smaller company. So I wanted to ask you, how are you standing out from the competition? How are you trying to stand out from the big boys that are out there that you're comp- you're competing against too? being a smaller company? Yeah, one one really good thing about us we've branched out a little bit over the last year or so, but 99% of our works here in North Carolina. And of that work, I would say 85% of it is local. So one of the things that's attracted and retained a lot of those folks that used to work for our competitors is they just got tired of burning the road, staying in hotels every single week or, you know, multiple months at a time. So we've got a lot of intangibles here. Um, that other still erectors don't even offer, you know, benefits like I mentioned this on, on the, um, other podcast I was on with Dylan and Matt, um, construction corner, check that out guys. But, you know, we've got these intangibles such as banking time. So if somebody works 60 hours one week, they got 20 hours of overtime as you, as you earn more hours taxes increase as well because our government likes to tax you on week to week whatever bracket you're in so the more hours you got the more gross pay you've got if that puts you into a higher bracket then you're getting more taxes taken out so what we do is if you work 60 hours 
and you want to save 10 of those overtime hours or bank them, that translates to 15 straight hours. So if we got a rainy day or a rainy week or whatever, and, and you're not going to get your 40 out in the field, you can save those hours up to 40 for an additional week of vacation, sick time, we get rained out, whatever it is. Um, that's one of those intangibles that I'm talking about. Um, another, you know, some, some of these erectors don't even pay the entire company uh, holiday pay. You know, the foreman and crane operators and stuff like that, all the people in the office, most of the time they get it, but your general labor uh, or a rigger or something like that, a lot of times they don't even they don't even get paid for these holidays. So when a lot of people are looking forward to 4th of July because they're going to have a long weekend or a Labor Day, Memorial Day, whatever it may be, you've got guys that are dependent on being out there for 8 or 10 or 12 hours that day in order to pay their bills. So um, just small things to, to us that mean a lot to the people out in the field. But going back to what I think sets us apart from our, our larger competitors is the fact that we stay local and our guys are sleeping in their bed 90% of the time every night. You're building a team. You're building, uh, you know, something special that you're taking care of your guys, but they are part of that team. You have respect for them and you're trying to keep them with you and keep them loyal to you too. And that's, that's the difference maker from what I'm hearing compared to your competition, giving them more holiday pay, giving them more time to, you know, rest and cause they're going to overall produce a better product for you too. And that kind of goes into what my next question was to you was, you know, what are you doing to set yourself apart on the quality end of things? You know, like obviously steel, steel, but what are you, what are you doing to set yourself apart from that competition as far as using a quality product over delivering uh, on what you're doing on the commercial end or whatever, you know, and, and just setting yourself above them as far as quality and the product that you produce. Yeah, well, you just hit the nail on the head a minute ago when you said building a team. So we don't even refer to any of our team members as employees because we truly mm -hmm. are a team. And building the culture that I want, which I, I was fortunate enough to to have a mentor and boss that allowed me to kind of take the reins. And as long as I wasn't screwing anything up, he, he wasn't micromanaging or anything like that before I took over. So as an entrepreneur for almost 10 years, I was able to start building that culture. And now I can really, really go after what I want and expect from our guys. So we hold every single person to a high standard. We've got high expectations, um, but they're rewarded for it. Like we, our core values start with relationships and that starts with internally. Like most people are going to say your customer's, first priority right not for me our team is our first priority and if i can establish those relationships in the office with our foreman down to their their teams out on site then they're going to produce better quality uh labor and and connections and everything you know if the, if the morale is high you're going to see better quality and that's going to translate to those relationships with our customers so establishing and holding everybody accountable to our core values, which relationships is one of them, work ethics, another, and then commitment. Um, and just reiterating that. So everybody knows what they are and we're living it out day in and day out on the job site and off the job site. Um, and as a leader, as the leader of this company, we've got several leaders, but obviously being at the top, I've got to lead from the front. So being a 29 year old boss to, you know, 50 year olds that's been doing this longer than I've been alive. Um, it's difficult 
from the outside looking in, but knowing that I've been out there and I've done it, I'm never going to ask somebody to do something that I haven't done or that I wouldn't do. Um, so as far as how are we making our quality better than the competitors out there? One, I think it starts with leadership and building, building the right culture with our team, uh, which is going to increase the morale out on job sites. And that that's naturally going to produce higher quality. Um, but also going back to the AISC certification that we hold, that that also holds us to a higher standard because there's certain things that we have to do, such as um, being a certified steel erector. Our crane operators have to be North Carolina certified crane operators. Um, OSHA recently changed their standard to where crane operators have to be certified just maybe two years ago, something like that, um, unless you're in the tree industry. And that's a whole different conversation don't understand how you can have a crane operator that doesn't have to be certified picking up trees when you don't even know how much it weighs until you pick it because of the saturation, <laughs> but I'm getting sidetracked. But anyways, you know, as a non-certified director, there's just certain things you don't have to do. Whereas us being an AISC certified steel director, we're held accountable to that standard every single job, whether it's certified or not. Yeah. And so how are you, one thing I wanted to ask you too, is how are you competing with pricing too? Because in, obviously in your world, in the commercial world, it, it's very price driven uh, and your bidding jobs and a lot of them are kind of relying on price. So how are you, if you're a little bit higher than the rest of them, how are you selling yourself on that too? Because I'm interested for the customer, this shows about what to look for in the construction industry with the client, you know, serving the client. So if, if I'm a client, why would I pick you? over the cheaper guy let's go and, yeah. and you've said you know and you've said a lot of great things and so on too but how do you structure your pricing to where it, you stand out too i think again i think it all goes back to relationships um okay. I, I listen to bradley and he says this and i've kind of adopted it but if you put money over people and relationships pretty soon you'll have neither mm-hmm. so of course we want to be very competitive with our pricing um but we're not gonna we're not gonna pay to do a job you know there's there's some things that come up and you lose that profitability and whether it's our fault somebody else's having those established relationships i mean we've been in business since 1986 and so that's a long time to establish maintain and continue building relationships um 90 of our work are repeat clients um, I like calling them clients more than I do customers because I think clients are relational and customers are just transactional. Me too. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Love that. So having those relationships and showing them, you know, our quality is going to be better than somebody else that may be cheaper than us. We're going to minimize on change orders. And on the on the front end of that, how do you how do you earn somebody's business if you're not low? That's more difficult than it is whenever you've got these repeat customers right so if we're five percent higher than somebody but we've worked with that client you know 10 years or whatever and we've shown them what our quality is and they know that five percent you know it may be 10 the the competitor may be 10 percent higher than us at the end of the job because of change orders they're going to nickel and dime everything we try to we try to minimize on it. I mean, if it's a legit change order, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get paid for it. But if it's something that takes us a couple hours or we need to help another trade on site, we're we're there to to be part of the team. We all got to play in the same sandbox and get the same building done. And the faster and smoother it goes for everybody, 
most of the time, the more profitable everybody is. Um, so simply put, I think it's all about relationships with your clients. What you said about clients and, and calling them clients and not customers, I, I, that is spot on dead on right there because that's showing and in what I'm getting out of you right there is that you care, you know, you care about the end result. You care. It's not just about, all right, let's get this project done and move on to the next. It's let's over deliver a quality project and then satisfy this client so that we can get another job and maybe another referral with them too. And that's the difference maker. Uh, let's go above and beyond and continue the relationship even after we're done with the project too. And that's why you're calling them clients. Uh, in, in my perspective, clients, friends, uh, you know, somebody that you're going to continue a relationship with versus customer transactional, like you said, be done, move on to the next, like you're in a shopping mall or something like that. You know, somebody's checking out a store. Those are customers. So unless yeah. they come back to the store, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's something that stood out big time to me. And that's a difference maker with you uh, and what you're doing. And people will see that. And, and they're probably seeing it more and more now, even though you're a smaller firm uh, versus your competition. Uh, you know, that's what creates growth and massive growth to where you're going to continue to grow and beat them out eventually, too. I mean, you're still you're still young. You still, you know, you're just getting started with this business. So I can only imagine the sky's the limit with you, man. So I give give you a lot of credit. One thing I wanted to brush on, though, too, is obviously we're all going through it in the construction industry is the materials. Obviously, things are getting harder to get. Things are getting more expensive. Things are getting more challenging. I'm facing it every day. Right now, we're facing it with concrete. Florida's uh, very high demand for concrete the way we build. But in my general area, there's, you know, trucks aren't coming for three weeks at a time. So it's it's been quite the process. What are you facing challenge wise in the world we live in today? And how are you getting around it and solving it and delays and so on and dealing with that with the customers? Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, I'm gonna go back just a little bit. We're talking yeah. about clients versus customers. And, um, you know, it, once you establish and maintain and continue building those relationships, those clients are going to sell your service or your product for you. Like, mm -hmm. If you do a good job and you you provide that high quality, you don't have anything to worry about. I'm not saying you can relax because we mm -hmm. don't need to. We need to keep pushing and every single one of us can always continue growing. But I just want to reiterate how important relationships are for everybody listening to this. Um, but when it comes to the materials and the delays and everything that we're seeing, I mean, I think the biggest issue, like most folks right now, is labor um, mm -hmm. attracting competent people and then retaining them. Um, and we touched on the intangibles that we've got that I think have, have really attracted a lot of the, the good folks that we've got on our team. Um, but you know, we're not having to buy the material. Um, we are affected indirectly by the cost of material and the lead times and stuff like that, because if it's not on site, we can't hang it, you know? Um, but I'll say directly for us, you know, fuel prices, consumables, everything has gone up. And so, you know, it's, we got to increase our, our unit prices for columns, beams, joists, square foot on deck, everything else to cover those consumables and whatnot. We're not seeing as big of an issue now as we were last year, especially with joist and deck. That was the longest lead time item. And really it wasn't even due to the pandemic or 
uh, cost increases or anything like that. It was Amazon. And now it's coming out that Amazon is overbuilt and, you know, they put too many warehouses throughout the country. So, part, you know, they were buying up all the joists and deck. These deck companies got to the point where if it was less than a million square feet, they wouldn't even detail it for their, their client, which wow. was crazy to me. Um, so they, the fabricators that we're working with on a small little 10,000 square foot retail store, they're having to self detail or, or sub that detailing out. Whereas two years ago, I mean, it was just natural and, and second nature for the detailers with the Joyce and deck suppliers to provide all that for you. Um, but I don't know, man, with, with the delays and stuff, you know, weather always affects us. Being smaller, though, I'll tell you, delays for us or jobs pushing or people wanting to push a job forward a week or something like that hurts us a lot more than it does somebody with 150 people because we've got dedicated people to dedicated crews. And when we schedule out, you know, it's it's difficult for us to project more than a month right now. We know what jobs we've got and when, roughly when they're going to start. But if we've got jobs that we get delayed on due to weather or anchor bolts being wrong or whatever the case may be if it pushes us a week and we're dealing with it right now we've got a job that we were supposed to start next week um the crew that was supposed to do it still on another job because it's pushed a week so luckily we've got some subcontractors that we've recently come across that we know are doing a good job for us um so that's one way that we can kind of minimize any kind of issues there what sucks about it though is that job that got pushed a week, yeah, we're going to incur costs. We'll get reimbursed for them for the equipment that we're having to rent and, you know, the rooms and per diem and all that kind of stuff because that one is out of town. But in addition to that, you got to think about the profitability that you're losing on that other job. So what may be a $15,000, $20,000 cost that you're going to incur from the rental equipment on that one job that pushed, you got to add that, you know, twenty, thirty thousand 30000 of profit that you had in that other job because now we're having to sub it and basically going to break even, maybe even lose a little bit. Um, but again, goes back to relationships. If we can't get to it, we've got good subcontractors that we've worked with over the last, I don't know, six or seven months. If we need them, they're there for us. Smart. smart. Yeah. It's, it's very smart that you're actually subbing stuff out not taking on too much that you can't handle, you know, that you can't handle too. So that's, that's awesome too. One thing I wanted to ask you too, uh, you know, with the struggle with labor, you said that uh, I was talking to Dylan about this too. And it seems that there's a struggle to get younger people into the trades too. You know, you're, you're younger. I'm still considered younger. I hope at 35, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle to find more younger people willing to want to commit to the construction industry and, and work and put in hard work and work outside, uh, you know, how are you dealing with that? Obviously you got a lot of older guys. Those guys are eventually gonna, you know, retire at some point, um, you know, and then you're going to have to find other, other guys willing to take those positions. Um, what are you thinking and how are you going to face that when that time comes? Obviously you might not be worried about it now, but I, I, I know there's just Dylan and I were really touching on this of the lack of younger people and making construction fun and great again, I guess is a way to put it. Uh, you know, what are you thinking on that aspect of things too with your industry? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a it's a struggle that I think most contractors and subcontractors are facing these days. 
because I mean, you know it as well as I do coming through school, once you got to middle school, like all these teachers wanted to push was you need to start thinking about college and you need to start thinking about what you want to do. And it's, you know, four year degree for this four year degree for that. Mm-hmm. I've got that expensive piece of paper and I, I <laughs> learned more in three months out in the field whenever I started while I was still in school, than I learned three years in the classroom prior. Mm-hmm. And so our senior year, we had a capstone project that lasted all year. We went to our mentor's office and uh, I told him exactly that. I said, man, I learned more in three months out in the field than I have in three years here. And as serious as he could be, his response was, I know that's how it is. You know, experience trumps all hands-on experience, especially. Um, But how to, how to get the younger generation more interested and involved um, you know, we can talk about the education system and how jacked up it is. Um, we can talk about how there's really no trade schools around that much anymore. Um, what we're doing is we've, we've attracted some of these younger guys. Uh, we're in a rural area. And so we still got that good old boy attitude in a lot of the, the surrounding cities and towns where we're at. So I don't think we struggle as much as people in, uh, you know, suburban, big city type areas. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten quite a few younger guys. I bet we've got, I bet we got 15 guys um, with us right now that are under 25. Um, but the reason that we can do that is we've got those experienced guys and we've built that culture to where they're willing to spend some time with them. Instead of taking an hour for lunch, take 30 minutes and then run some beads on some angle, practice welding. And we can, we can train the younger generation that comes in and that's willing to learn and that's eager how we want it to be done. And, um, so another intangible for us, I think, but for me, and I mentioned this on, on the construction corner podcast, similar question was asked. I think it all goes back to the house, like sitting around the supper table, talking and showing people like you go by a job site. Construction has been kind of looked down upon for, for a while now it's nasty it's hard work and that's what that's what people do that aren't smart enough to do this or that and that's just not true i mean Mm. there is a lot of money to be made whether you're at the top or you're out in the field sweating every single day um so like you said we've got to make it attractive and fun and cool again like you walk into a building it took some skill to erect that building and to make it safe to where you can walk in it and not worry about it crumbling down on you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting at the house, parents being so involved with, with their kids and the curriculum that is being taught in school and teaching them stuff outside of school. I mean, that's not where you need to learn life skill. It is, but more importantly, we have to teach our kids at home, you know, um, and being in the construction industry, it's going to be a whole lot easier for me, but educating the general public, inviting people to come to your job sites, showing them, hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And by the way, look at this check stub right here. This is what you can make. Um, you know, we've got we've got guys that a couple of them over six figures, depending on the year, because we, we do profit sharing. Um, and so when we have a really good year, we, we distribute that out. Um, we do it per quarter. But I think again construction been looked down upon for a while but um i I also think that it's kind of going to flip and trades are going to be what a lot of people are pushing towards more um a lot of the industries that you got to go get that four-year degree for are just getting so saturated you know and when you've got more supply than you do demand 
basic economics tells you that dollar is going to go down. Um, we've got more supply or more demand than we have supply right now. So mm -hmm. it's a really good time to get into it and make a really good living for your entire career. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you because I think a lot of people struggle with yeah, when they think of construction, they're like, okay, it's, it's, it's way too much hard work. It's you're outside. It's hot. It's, you're dirty or it's just, you know, it's not, I'm not going to make a lot of money that I can do sitting on a computer somewhere doing this, that, and blah, blah, blah. It's just the true, there is a big need for the trades because we do have such high demand. There's always going to be need for, for us being in construction because buildings are always going to get built houses where we're lack of housing right now. So in, in there's always such a demand for new houses, new homes, the older ones, we're knocking down older ones and we're building new right now for people. And, uh, it's, it's just making it interesting again. And it's like you said, how can we make it interesting? And it starts, I think, like you said, with the family, within your family telling, you know, instead of maybe giving your kid an iPad all the time, take them, take them over to and put them to work at a, for working for construction. There's no better way to learn about life and, and hard work and stuff and what it takes to make a living than working construction. I did like you, since we were little kids, uh, growing up, my dad always, I mean, I I've told this story before, you know, my dad wouldn't have something for me to do. So there'd be a stack uh, of block concrete block at one side of the job site. He'd say, Hey, I need that block moved to the other side of the job site today. And back, back, in. <laughs> and back then I was like, well, okay, yeah. Okay. I guess he does need it over there. But today now I realize that didn't need to be moved. You know, the, the concrete guys had it there for a reason. That's where they said it. He was just trying to find stuff for me to do on top of he's like, yeah, you want to get stronger, this and that. So, you know, you look at stuff, but it was hard work. Yeah. And he went, you, yep. you had to put in the labor, digging trenches for sprinkler lines, even though we had a landscaper that could do stuff like that or drainage piping and all that. It's like, I look at all that. I'm like, yeah, this is a lot of stuff for subcontractors pretty much do but he made me do it you know when i was a kid but anyway you know it it makes you have a lot of respect for the trades and i think you are right there will be a comeback at some point to where you know we're gonna get more i i just hired a 19 year old for a labor position and he he was all about it i mean he's been awesome too and and hopefully he stay, stays with us he wants to be a cop but Hopefully he stays with us and we can work him. He can work up the ladder with us and to a superintendent and then a supervisor and, and keep growing with the company too. So there is yeah. hope. Uh, it's like you said, just make, you know, there's just getting these people educated again. Cause it came out of the schools. I, I, we used, I used to have construction tech when I was in high school. That's no longer at that high school now. Um, probably cause some parent was complaining that their kid, hit them hit their finger with a hammer or something but you know we need to bring stuff like that back too it's an important thing for sure i agree i will say one thing about having some of the younger guys that we do have um it's also attracted some of their friends even if they've never even been on a job site before again we can we can teach and as a leader i think that's part of our responsibility um our foreman they're in leadership positions as well and they are leaders there's a, there's a difference there. And again, that's a whole another conversation too, but 
as a leader teaching, I believe, is part of, of that responsibility. And so even if, if they don't know anything, they've never stepped foot on a job site. It really doesn't take that long to learn it. It's really hard at first, but once you learn the tricks and, and you know, how to do different things different ways, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. It gets a whole lot easier. And the equipment, the tools, everything that we've got these days makes everything we do so much easier than it was 20, 30 years ago. I mean, they've got these harnesses, you know, guys are, are in boom lifts with, um, you know, they've got their spud wrenches, they've got an impact, stuff that's pretty heavy, but Hilti, uh, big supplier and, and manufacturer of a lot of construction tools and, and equipment, they've got this harness that you can put on and it's spring loaded in the, where your armpit is. And so it literally, like you're, you may be holding a 10 pound wrench or, you know, impact or whatever, but you've got a spring loaded harness on that's literally doing the work for you. So the work that you're having to put out is less, although the efficiency is probably even better than if you didn't have that on just stuff like that, uh, that makes it easier. And, and yeah, you're still going to sweat, but you said something a minute ago, moving those blocks and stuff, making you stronger. There's not that many fat guys out there walking the iron. It keeps you in good shape too. Yeah, that's yeah. I agree with you. That's one thing because I used to play football. My dad would always make me do that stuff because he's like, "You want to be in shape. You want to be, you know, strong for football." You, you know, he goes, "This is what you got to do too." And and back then as a kid, you know, I used to hate it. Yeah, because you if your friends are all out having fun or you know, being in Florida here, they're they're all out at the beach and I'm I'm on a job site. My sand is the job site sand, sweating, moving blocks, and then they're out on oh, the yeah. beach relaxing. <laughs> you know, that's just it it's just how it was though. But I got a lot of respect for the industry now. Yeah, and and it's made me it made me learn a lot about it and and it brought me to where I am today. And in the respect I have for our business and, and our family business and growing that to where it is today as well, along with my brother. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we're all working on is trying to get younger people back in us being younger too. That's a big influence on it. I think as well, like having younger leaders in the industry rather than just, you know, no offense to the old guys, but, uh, having younger leaders that want to, you know, do new things and new technology and explore new advances in the in the industry as well. I think that's going to bring younger generations into it too. Um, you know, like the guy I hired, I think he was probably shocked of how young our whole team is. I mean, that's uh, we're a young group of people. It's we're family, but it's you know, my superintendent's my age. Uh, my brother's 38, my sister's uh, 36, and my fiance does our selections, and she's 20, 26, so, or 27. My bad if you listen to this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just having that, young, and then I got a laborer that's 19 now. So it's just that, we're, that younger core, that younger group getting us all involved, too, I think it's going to make a difference and make a change like you're doing, too, being 29, 30 years old, and you're going to have a lot of younger guys kind of, flock to you too and be like all right yeah this he's doing it i can do it too so that's a yeah i appreciate that but you know that hands-on experience that we both had not only does it make us respect the trades in our industry but it also earns the respect of those older guys that we've worked with and in my case worked for um there's a lot to be said for for getting your boots dirty and, Mm. and swinging a hammer like you said yeah highly highly agree 
Uh, let's. I'm going to wrap this up with some personal questions I always do. Uh, this is one of my favorite questions I ask everybody is, what about you personally? What lessons have you learned throughout your journey uh, that we should all apply to our own business and our own lives that can help us grow? Yeah, you. Um, no matter what you're doing in life, if it's construction or, you know, all aspects, personal with your family, your faith, um, business, everything you can't do it by yourself you've got to surround yourself with people um with like-minded mindsets um and people that aren't better than you but maybe further ahead i don't believe anybody's better than the next person they may have more experience that's got them further ahead but if you can surround yourself with with people that are further ahead people with similar mindsets to yourself um and and really just people that help you grow and get better every single day it's going to expedite the the time that it takes to get from a to b to c to d um and help you grow and succeed in all aspects of life so um something i've learned is to surround yourself with the right people and to build the right team you've got to have the right people um you know you've probably heard you're going to be the average of the five people you spend the most time around um, to that point though, I will say there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to and of those podcasts, one or two of them, I consider people that's in that five that I spend a lot of time with. So never even met these people in person, but if you're, if they're in your ears and you're learning from them, um, just know that, that you can, you can elevate yourself to be closer to where they're at. Um, and even if you don't know them, if they're in your they're in your circle and you're learning from them, again, it's going to decrease the time that it takes to get to maybe where they're at. That took 20 years. You learn from them. You adopt their mistakes and treat them as your own. Try to minimize on on new mistakes and don't make those same mistakes. What took 20 years may take 10. So it's all about people, all about relationships. Surround yourself with people that are going to make you better and hold you accountable. Yeah, I love that. A thousand percent, million percent agree uh, with you too. It's just, it, it it ignites you. It makes a big difference being in groups like Arte or Apex like yourself or, um, you know, even like the Warriors for Christ group I'm in and uh, TCS and stuff like that. It's just like getting around these people. They elevate you because, you, I mean, I've said this before, my whole Instagram is like Arte people now and so on. And you're seeing them kill it and it makes you want to kill it. You know, it's like, all right, mm -hmm. he's doing that. I should be able to do that too. Or I, there's no reason I can't. And that kind of gives you that boost. So yeah, that's uh, I love that answer. I always get a great answer on that question. That's why I always ask it. So um, next one I always ask too is uh, we talked about your past. What about your future? Where will we see Zach in the future 10, 15, 20 years from now? Who will you be? I'll be 10 or 15 years older. <laughs> if I make it that long. Um, again, man, just continuing to grow and to build on everything that I'm doing now. Um I'm going to have three to five more businesses at that time. Um, looking to get into different areas like real estate, um, maybe different sectors within that. I'll have some, I'll have some kids. I got twin boys. That'll be two next month. They'll, uh, they'll be making their way onto job sites, learning how to do stuff and, and working for a dollar. Um, I don't know if we'll have any more. I think I'm done, but I'll never say never. You never um, know. Yeah, but just grow and continuing to get better. Um, 
a vision board is really important to me. It gives me something to look at. It's it's tangible. You can see it. You can not necessarily feel it, but just, you know, that visual aid gives you something to work towards. And I've got a, a ton of things on that board. I could talk to you for an hour on that, but um, I don't have any intentions on leaving Duggins. We're going to continue to grow this company. Um, growth doesn't necessarily have to be revenue or number of people, but if we're all getting better personally, it's going to translate into all other aspects of life too. So helping people grow. Um, I'm going to be speaking on some stages to encourage people and to try to help people develop disciplines and habits rather than just temporary motivation. Um, and this is all looking into the future. I'm going to be, I'm going to be on stages. I'm going to have some real estate. I'm going to have more people working here. We're going to be doing more in revenue. Um, so it's going to be a whole lot more what I'm doing and then some. Love it, brother. Yeah. Law of attraction right there. You said it, it's out there now and you got to make it happen. I know I have no doubt you will too, for sure. So you Thank can re-listen to this episode and, and that'll, that'll be a nice reminder to you right there too. Uh, last question, what this show's all about, what exactly do people need to look for when hiring their next structural steel welding contractor and why should they choose Zach as their contractor of choice? So just, you know, hiring practices, I think you can, you can teach people how to do things, um, but you, you can't make them want to be driven or take initiative. So hiring the right people that want to get better and you can, you can learn a lot about somebody in five minutes and talking to them. One question we ask whenever we're hiring and it's not even directly related to their career, but a lot of times their response is, but what are your goals, personal, professional, whatever? And if they don't have an answer, they don't get hired. You got to have people that's, that's going to take the initiative and that want to get better. Um, as far as why our clients should choose us and why they do choose us, again, goes to the quality that we provide. Um, the relationships that are so important to me, um, establishing new ones, maintaining those and continuing to build on, on what you've already got. Love it, man. Yeah, I, it's, this has been amazing. You've been done an awesome job. Uh, so much value delivered on this episode. So I do really appreciate you taking the time today because I know you're a busy guy and you got a lot of steel you're putting up. So I do appreciate you taking a little time today. The last thing I always want so people can follow you, find you, where, where can they connect with you? Yeah. All the social media platforms, um, Instagram, it's probably the easiest to get a hold of me. It's just at Zach Burick, Z-A-C-H-B-U-R-I-C-K. Um, Facebook, you can go to Dugginswelding.com. Um, I've got some music on iTunes if you're interested in listening to some country music or Apple Music, Spotify, all that good stuff. I'll check um, that out. What's, what's, yeah. uh, what's your music under your name? Just look my name up. Yep, okay. Zach Burick. Um, according to White Pages, I'm the only one in the United States, so I'm not hard to find. <laughs> not hard to get in touch with either uh if you shoot me an instagram message um facebook message whatever i promise i'll get back to you um i love helping people talking to them providing value just like you're doing with your podcast and um man i appreciate all the kind words as we went through this and really appreciate you having me on i've had a really good time it's been fun 
Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll stay. We'll definitely stay connected for sure and uh, do some more stuff together in the future here. I have no doubt about it, man. I I, I know you're going to have success after hearing what your story and everything today, too. So I can't thank you enough for taking your time to come on today. Man, so. I can't thank you enough for having me on. I really do appreciate it. I love doing stuff like this. Yeah, awesome, brother. So everybody listening, you know the routine. Like, share, comment. Uh, subscribe, five-star reviews on iTunes, Spotify only. If this benefited you, please share it with somebody and I will see you on the next episode.